0: The Rock and Roll Coffee Show is brought to you by Writers and Rockers Coffee Company, keeping the music and memories alive with some damn good coffee. Be sure to pick up your Rock and Roll Coffee Show coffee only at writersandrockerscoffee.com. And also brought to you by Retroactive, located at Broadway at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, keeping you retro with everything from 70s, 80s, and 90s. Shopretroactive.com. The new album, Grand Explosivos, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Killer record. It's fantastic.
1: All right. Thank you. I'm glad to dig it.
0: <laughs> Comes out September 15th, which is about a week from, from now. And it's available through your website. Is that correct? People can go there and pre-order it? It'll be available everywhere. Yeah, right. But they can go now, though, and pre-order it, right? Yeah okay and okay. the
1: single there's two singles all, out already and then uh, the third one came out today
0: right so i got a feeling was the first one very catchy song and then domestic blitz was the second yeah. one what is the the third one is what
1: well life have you funky
0: that's one of my songs that i wrote down that after my first listen is that i i really right. enjoyed that's that kicks off the album Tell me about this record, um, you know, for fans of Electric Boys. I mean, what can they expect from it?
1: I'd say it's a party album. Um, it's probably our most like party album uh, since was Maximus. Because, um, well, you know, we were all, everyone got a bit knocked down and ins- inspired for songwriting and stuff because of the pandemic. So I think the last album, well... Um, well, the Upside Down album was turned out to be a little bit, you know, a little darker lyrically and stuff, and uh, and I guess we were just it just uh, we would I, I think everyone was just tired of the whole pandemic thing, and so that led into another vibe for this album. It's uh, it was we all just felt like putting that behind us and you know have some fun again, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. When did you start yeah. writing this album?
1: I don't know. a Year and a half ago maybe.
0: Okay. The production quality on it is fantastic as well. Um, which all of your records have been really good production quality. That I mean that clearly is important to you, correct?
1: Yeah, it is. And I mean something that annoys me or all of us is that when you if you if you go on the road for instance and you have a noisy car and you want to listen to your favorite albums and some some of them as good as or great as they might be, they just don't sound good in a car with, when there's a lot of noise going on around you and some are really clear. And that's something that we've wanted to try um, and achieve, you know, so to have like a pretty clear production. I mean, that's why we like some of the 70s stuff, but also modern stuff. But but just the, a lot of the 70s stuff, like uh, I'm not saying that we're, we sound like it at all, but if you listen to uh, like Ballroom Blitz by The Sweet, for instance, it still sounds fantastic in every car stereo. And Back in Black is one of those albums; it just always works. So it's those are good um, benchmarks, whatever the word is in English, to um, to go for really. And um, a lot of the a lot, of, a lot of the productions nowadays are really. There's a lot of overdubs and there's a lot of guitars, this 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 wall of sound which we don't like. It's we we all always like when you can hear one guitar player playing his bit over there and then the other guy over there doing something else. So it gives it more gives it more personality, I think.
0: Sure. Now the guitar tones and everything on this record are are it, it, everything is working for this record. What goes into finding those tones for you? What do you mean like uh well there's your guitar sounds it's just uh, i mean everything how we sounds find them? yeah like does it take you a while to dial in those tones and and to get the are you, are you picky when it comes to the right sound
1: well a lot of the work has been done in pre-production or even like way way before i mean i, I had a new pedal uh yesterday that I was trying out at the Rosa place it's a, it's just an ongoing ongoing thing you can't stop yourself (laughs) but uh yeah but it's important i mean when we record an album we always we always gather around you know we're all in the same room at the same time playing live and what goes on to tape is what stays on tape usually so it's not like we i mean a lot of people do do it a sort of like a quicker way i suppose when they just say okay let's just focus on the drums here we can always fix the guitars later but no that's not how we work it's like we want all the stuff down at the same time and then it's time for the little bits and pieces the icing on the cake so to speak
0: overdubs so so you record mainly live then all together
1: yeah and uh and if there's like a bum note or whatever, we we'll fix it straight away and then that's a take, and then we'll go to the next one. That's
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the that's the way we've always worked. I mean I think I could I could sit afterwards and look at the speakers and try to put down a good rhythm guitar with the, together with the drums. And of course I can do it, but it's not the same vibe as it is standing next to the drum and feeling it and yeah. and actually seeing when it hits the symbols. yeah you're not going to get that feel it's a it's a hell of a lot more fun for sure and that's that's why you start in the first place
0: so you guys do you use any um nowadays a lot of people will use plugins and you know that kind they'll go that route are you do you amp your guitars i mean do you mic them up and everything or do you go direct into and use well
1: we mic amps mm-hmm. but they are oh, usually now the engineers nowadays they they usually take like a clean signal as well just to be sure just to be safe because if uh, for some reason when you do the mixing and you find out oh shit there was too much distortion in that guitar or whatever then then you can like uh, re it as it's called take that signal again into another amp and and fiddle with that for a while so but i don't think we really did it on this album it, it, i mean we we recorded that way but it was never used because we spent enough time on the on the main sound so i think they
0: were all used pretty much as they were well like i said it sounds it sounds great it's a great record um i purchased my copy i'm i'm excited to get it i got the turquoise because there's only 500 of those yeah right 499 now because i got one (laughs) (laughs) so so all electric boy fans need to go get that um before those run out because once this album comes out i think it's going to sell very well once people hear it yeah
1: i hope so it's it's always uh you always want to get it out to as many people as possible i think that's the that's a difficult part nowadays for everyone yeah I mean, like in the old days when we started, then there was MTV and a couple more radio stations or or TV TV shows. So I mean, you knew if you ended up on MTV on every rotation, you knew it was going to be a hit because everybody was watching. That now is like everybody's watching everything, so it's it's difficult.
0: So when you're releasing an album today compared to then, I mean, what kind of strategy goes into it today?
1: well there's a lot of marketing and promo promo promoting the whole promotion thing uh we have a good promotion uh, apartment uh, department that uh, mighty music i think they work hard on that making sure the magazines get their uh, stuff to review and stuff like that and uh, and then there's all the social media that needs to be yeah. done we have someone helping out with that as well and, and we you know we try to be on the be on the road as much as possible
0: yeah you guys have been on the road recently right quite a bit yeah seen. over in sweden
1: yeah only sweden for now but but we're, we're always we're, we're looking at um other other tours together with other bands or our own tours with support bands or whatever but there's um there's a lot of options so but there's nothing I can tell right now we as you said we released the album uh on the 15th and then we then we do some more touring over here in October uh October November I think then I don't know what's going to happen but and the states for instance we want to go back there but it's such a big machine to get that up you know and rolling money wise especially it's really really expensive to it's crazy to get like, working permits and everything so you need to have like a proper proper setup and, and a good tour to to be able to make it work. Yeah that's definitely so not we're not giving up
0: <laughs> well, I hope not I've never got to see you guys I've been a fan I got actually I've got my cassette right here the first one oh. my original cool. cassette on Atco Records <laughs> yeah, but I never did get to see you guys because I don't think you really got on a big tour, did you? I mean, you went out with Thunder for a little bit and Mr. Big, but did you ever get like a big, long tour?
1: Well, in, in America, we did um, we did a tour with Mr. Big and Hardline. That was the biggest one, and some tours before that. I did we did some some shows with Vicks and, and somebody else. I can't remember, but but the Mr. Big one. And and Hardline was the was the big one that we did.
0: Was that successful for you guys? Because it, it seems like um, as good as Mr. Big is, I don't know if Electric Boys definitely were that kind of band. You know what I mean?
1: I don't think people know what kind kind of band they were either. Because I remember, I mean, they had a big hit with a with a ballad, and. But I remember them talking about it, uh, how confusing it was because, if I remember this correctly, it wasn't even supposed to be on the album at first. It was sort of like an extra track or whatever. And then I think it was their manager. I, I can be wrong, but but from a, from what I remember, anyway, the, who said it's it's great. It's gonna be on the album. We gotta push push this song, and of course it turned into a hit. But but the rest of their set didn't sound like that so they had a lot of screaming girls because of that song but but then they were like a totally rocking hard rocking band so it was it was kind of weird i mean that can happen sometimes and like that the song gets bigger than the band and in a way it was a bit like that with with us as well because of lips and hips it's like a I think quite quite often when people have said uh, they don't they don't know about the electric boys whatever and then and then say lips and hips yeah I remember so it, but thankfully that that song was what what we've been doing so it, it wasn't like the it didn't send off any wrong signals so to speak
0: yeah yeah
1: but it was yeah, a I'm... good tour and it was great time with the hardline guys and uh, you know Neil Sean and all that,
0: yeah good members from that. Yeah. You just from what I remember, it, you guys were just kind of were separated from I mean you were lumped in with all those bands at that time, but you guys your sound was not that sound no. to me. I mean Bang Tango was a little similar, more similar to you guys. You guys were kind of in the same situation, I think, where where you didn't quite fit in with that sound, but weren't quite with the what was coming in.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean first of all it it always felt like we were on the outside looking in to this whole uh, sunset strip thing and everything because we were over here basically in sweden and and none of us really used to listen to that stuff It, it was it was going on at the same time as us but but we were still listening to all the records that that we have been listening to earlier on, which which was basically, well, in my case, it goes back even back to the fifties, like uh, Little Richard and Chuck Berry and all that stuff, and then through the sixties with the Beatles and the Birds and all that, and then and then uh, all the seventies stuff, which really connected us, the four of us, all the Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and everything, mm-hmm. and that was still. I mean, I was always a lot more connected to Hendrix and the doors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's like if we would have been around in the 70s, I would have probably have been compared more to like Mark Bolan and Ian Hunter than, than people like maybe saying that it's a hairband because hairband, the hairband thing was going on at that time. Right. Um, But of course, there was there was some great music as well, and great bands, and Van Halen and all those guys came along. But we always wanted to make records that didn't sound retro, I mean, even if the inspiration was old, but we always wanted to try to update the sound. So that like, I mean, like with Bob Rock, for instance, I remember when every time you if you were in a club and Dr. Feelgood came on the, the Motley Crue song, it always sounded louder than everything else. Mm-hmm. And so we always felt like you don't want them to play your album after that, and it's going to sound really weird. <laughs> it needs to have that.
0: <laughs> so ba- speaking of Bob Rock, did you guys choose him? Did you request him to do that record? Yeah.
1: I think the record company asked us, who, who would you like to work? I mean, we did a Swedish uh, record, 89, I think. And then uh, when it was time for an international release, we had a lot of new songs written that we felt was stronger, especially lyrically. So we said to them, we would like to change some songs before we release it. Uh, and uh, and they say, who do you want to work with? I, I think, I don't know if it was me or someone else, but just said like Bob Rock because <laughs> he was the best, you know. I don't even know... If we were thinking that we would get him, it was it was the same thing when we went to Abbey Road. It was like, "What do you want to record, Abbey Road?" <laughs> okay, well, it's booked. <laughs> but so yeah, he phoned me up and said, uh, "Hey, hey, this is Bob Rock and blah blah." And you know, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And but he he actually really really liked Lips and Hips. He had heard that, and he said, "I don't know what you want me to change. It's great as it is." But we said, "No, no, you you got it wrong. It's like we want to." record some new stuff and it's like ah oh, okay i see so that's what happened we went there and did uh final final tracks mm-hmm. so Which that record great. that record
0: was like half and half then yeah coming from sweden i mean how did you guys how'd you get your deal like how did they find you or what how'd that all work
1: we got a i think we got a publisher interested first and then uh, and then the record company, which was Polygram, which is a division of uh, Phonogram uh, over in Sweden. And we got them interested, and then they started sending, if I, co- if I remember right, um, it was Lips and Hips again. Uh, this, w- they sent that out to a lot of people in America, publishers and, and to the record label people, and they were all like, oh, this is great. This is like... Old Aerosmith or whatever, and and all of a sudden everybody wanted to join in on that. So, and that's how we got in touch with uh, Atco in New York, and also Phonogram in uh, in London.
0: And then once that Lips and Hips came out, you guys, I, from what I remember, it took off pretty quick, right? It didn't take you long once that got released.
1: Well, I mean, we. We from we released the album here and then we started touring. So for us it didn't feel that fast. The record had been out here and um at least on input in um in UK for quite some time.
0: But in the States, was it quick in the States?
1: You mean from the release?
0: Yeah. Because yeah. MTV yeah. grabbed a hold of that.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah, and like I said, it ended up on uh, heavy rotation on MTV, and obviously that's in those days that would that would make a, a change.
0: So how long did you tour yeah. off the first record?
1: I don't know. We it felt like we toured all the time because we had a booking agent. that was was nuts over here. He booked us in every venue, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that he could find. So which was good because it it gave us some experience, but we. <clears throat> we always wanted to be on the road and in fact i'm i'm still the same I that's when i feel the best when when there's something knowing that you have something coming up all the time yeah like i, I always say when you when you've done a, a show uh that you're really happy about and then you sit in the in the nightliner van whatever and open up a cold beer and you start start rolling towards the next city knowing that there's a gig the day after that's the yes. best feeling
0: yeah so are you more of a a live guy than a studio guy i i love
1: both to yeah. be honest it's totally different but i yeah. i think i need both you know if you if you tour a lot then you're, you're looking forward to the studio and vice versa mm-hmm.
0: well coming off the first record um and then you went into gruvis maximus um was there a lot of pressure going into that record because of the success of the first one? I don't.
1: I don't recall us feeling pressure, not any more than we had done earlier. It's like you always set the standards for yourself, like what, how good you want it to be, or what kind of album you want to make, and that's um, that. That was always the goal. We were always pretty sure about ourselves, uh, like. If the 4 hours starts, starts going like this, then we, we knew we were on something. And then we figured there has to be more people because we're not totally stupid. Yeah.
0: Well, I started so. doing that when I listened to the new record this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. a good sign, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Groovus Maximus was 92 around that time, I believe. But you guys split in '94, was it? A couple of years later.
1: Yeah, we did a third album, uh, "Co Free Wheeling," which I think came out '93. I could okay. be, can be wrong, or early, uh, early '94. But the problem at that at that point was that uh, there was a lot of money s- spent on making the album, and then when the album was was done and we were all really hip, happy about it, then the uh, record company said, "Well." Oh, we asked them so, oh what's going on now what about prom- the promotion and they were like why well, we don't have any money left <laughs> I'm like what you don't have any money left who who planned this so so it just it was released but then nothing you
0: know yeah it was just kind of set out there
1: and uh i was happy about the album i think we all were but there was a lot of things going on we had changed two members and 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 then because of that happened, it was like I don't know if we set out to split the band forever. But I just, <clears throat> as a, as the main songwriter, I felt that I won't be able to make an another great or another really good album because it, it, I just felt the inspiration. I, I lost all the inspiration. So and then we ended up. Getting back together, but that was like 17 years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so then what did you do? I mean, how did you get the inspiration back?
1: Well, I don't know. Well, I did. I started playing with a band that we called Titanic Truth, which was like a poetry, and we were all writing. And that ended up like being like a one or two year long jam almost, which was really well really needed, We didn't have any, you know, record company bullshit involved or any, any uh, contracts or any of that. Just, just pure music, which was great fun. And uh, after that, I did a solo album called Psychonaut. And, uh, and then I started playing with Ginger from, from the wild arts, let Ginger Five. And we did some tours in UK and Japan, and then uh, and then I joined Hanoi Rocks, two thousand
0: nine. How did how did you get that gig? How'd that come up?
1: No, wait a minute. Two thousand five, mm-hmm. two thousand four or two thousand five <laughs> until two thousand. <clears throat> well, I. I had been touring um in the early eighties, both me and uh, and the bass player Andy Christel. We'd been touring with with Hanoi as a support band in Finland a lot in the eighties. So we knew the guys and and Andy always said that we gotta to play together at some point. And so well he just phoned me up and said, you know, I wanna come over and, and try try out. And I and I've I remember thinking it might might last for a year or whatever, but it could be a great fun because we always talked about it. And I was always a fan of all the old uh Hanoi stuff. So um, yeah, that's what how it happened.
0: hmm So you that was what, about four years you were with them?
1: Yeah, four and a half years, I think.
0: Okay. Now during that time, I mean, were you writing songs with them as well, or, or just writing on your own still? No, I was I
1: was writing for them. And the album we did, Street Poetry, what was really a, a band album, I would say. We rehearsed a lot, and, uh, and both Andy and Mike was really open about the songwriting, and they said, what, what song ideas do you have? So... I remember sitting at his house or or in his flat and going all over a bunch of ideas. And I think that it was four or five of them that ended up being the main ideas for some of the songs on on that album. So that was fun. There was one song actually, I I was going through everything and then I I started playing this. And then it's this song that, but it, no, I can't do that. It sounds too much like Hanoi Rocks. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) i'm playing with the rocks we okay. can use this now and he, he really liked it so of course,
0: yeah. you know, the, it, the was, was there any times where it was the opposite where you wrote something and you're like now this is too much like electric boys i can't use this in hand rocks
1: i don't remember but i mean obviously the songs songs coming up once in a while and that you just put on the shelf for for the time being because you don't have any any place for them at the moment but I wasn't, uh, I mean, I wasn't planning. Nothing was being planned as far as uh, Electric Boys electric goes. So it wasn't until Andy and Mike decided to quit the band. And then I started thinking, what What do I want to do now after this? And then I asked the bass players, Andy, I said, Well do you feel like? Do you, do you feel the same as me? And he did. We We were both like, it would be fun to, because Hammer Rocks is a bit more, the way I look at it anyway, it's a lot more straightforward, kind of rock and roll. Mm, yeah, I guess. And and our stuff was a bit more 70s, kind of a little bit more funky and all that. And and it just felt like uh, it would be fun to do that again. And also because I hadn't been singing uh, for a long time, I hadn't, I hadn't done the frontman things, so I was like, I oh, could be fun again. So we figured, let's call the guys and see if they're up for it. But we we didn't we weren't too sure about it. To be honest, it, maybe they didn't even want to. But they were like, "Yeah, okay, let's let's get together and try." Which was fun because it took like 20 minutes until everything was yeah. <laughs> as it used to be. You know, everybody finds their spots, and yeah, it's the no same problems. kind of stupid humor. And- <laughs>
0: that's fun that's fun and then so that was all for that was original guys right yeah okay and is that the um and then boys done swang record is that what you guys did which is a great record too i love that album thank
1: you Mm -hmm. you've been listening
0: i have been i have been and you know i've always been electric boy fan but until i really dove in and started going down rabbit hole i didn't know you had all those records out you this is your eighth studio record as, a, as yeah. the electric boys and then yeah. you have all your solo stuff as well so you have a it's lot still of not,
1: it's still not as much I, w- I wish i was faster you know <laughs> i could release fast records a lot faster but it's not it's not how i work i, I find it really hard to like go to work if you say what i mean when when you're going to write a song it it's like it it just blocks all inspiration out. Yeah. So it's usually I usually go for months and there's nothing happening and then there's this one little idea that comes up and then all of a sudden you've written the whole album. And then this uh, and and that procedure repeats itself. In in when I was younger, I used to it used to scare the hell out of me because every time. I had those uh, times when I wasn't writing. It always felt like I, I can't possibly see myself writing again. I, sure. I've lost it.
0: Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So you've always been I the main songwriter. I to be a
1: tattoo artist or something. But then I realized I was shaking too much. Yeah. So I was, can't do that. I went out the window.
0: <laughs> um, so you've always been the main songwriter. Yeah. Okay okay do you have a certain way you like to approach writing when you get an idea is it usually a melody first or you just playing around with your guitar and come up with a riff or is no. there a certain way no,
1: it's different okay in the old days uh there used to be a riff usually but now now uh, a lot of times this uh it could be like a title or a vocal melody or anything
0: all right connie well listen man i appreciate you taking time to talk with me um, I was so excited when, when we got together and we started talking about this, about doing the show. I was like, Because like I said, I've been a fan a long time, and I think the new record is not going to let anybody down. It's a great
1: I'm glad to hear that. You never know before. I mean, it's, we're just about to release it. I've, I've seen a few reviews, but it doesn't say that much. But uh-huh. that, that warms my heart. I'm glad you like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't wait to get my copy, my blue one. 499 yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and counted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so your website is, what is it, electricboys.com?
1: Yes, electricboys.com. But there's more action on, on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Right, okay. Oh, you know, one other thing, I think you're getting ready to go on a boat too, right? You playing, you're, playing, you're playing on a boat?
1: Yes. What was the name of it? Rock the uh, boat.
0: I rock think. the boat. Rock the boat. Yeah. yeah. Have you done yeah. have you played these boat things before? Or is this your yeah? And
1: we've done the Monsters of Rock Cruise a couple of times.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: So we finally made it to Miami. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Yeah, well, good. Great. Those are great fun.
0: Good, good. Lovely so hopefully...
1: audience. It's like the vibe is so positive and
0: yeah. Everyone fun. just having a good time yeah that's awesome
1: and it's cool how i mean how people socialize among the bands and with fans and everything it's just a really it's a really cool thing yeah Yeah. i hope we can go on it uh next time
0: well hopefully hopefully you can get back to the states because like i said oh and if you do get over to the states make sure you tell that agent we need to get over to South Carolina and see Joe. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll show him this. <laughs> Do your work. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks
1: a lot for having me. Yeah, man. Take care. Good talking to you.